Returning to Vladimir Putin's bitter speech against the West, during his State of the Nation address in Moscow, the Russian president warned the existence of his country was at stake. The Western elite doesn't conceal their goal is to inflict a strategic defeat on Russia. What does it mean for us? It means to finish us forever. His address comes just days ahead of the first anniversary of Moscow's invasion. But Putin's thirst for victory has only sparked fears that he's leading Russia into a dark period of stagnation. Sergei Radchenko is a Russian historian and a distinguished professor of the Kissinger Centre for Global Affairs at Johns Hopkins University. Welcome to breakfast. Thank you for having me. Putin's State of the Nation address has been described by some as the speech of a man from the past and without a future. Is that how you would describe it? I would say so. He gave no exit strategy there. There was no exit game in his address. The war seems to be something that Russia always did, is doing now and will always do. And he did not seem to suggest that it's going to uh, back off from its current aggression in Ukraine. And that is, you know, a very dark message indeed. Putin's speech was clearly patriotic. He portrayed Russia as a victim, claiming it was the West and not Russia that had started the war in Ukraine. And he failed to address any of the, the failings of the invasion. To what ends will Putin go to ensure he has a military victory at the end of this? Well, he uh, said at the beginning of his speech something, uh, something that something to the effect that Russia will continue to uh, uh, strive towards its aim in Ukraine step by step, consistently, methodically until those aims are reached. And he also said that the longer range weapons Ukraine gets, the further west the Russian forces will have to push. But of course, these aspirations do not actually uh, add up uh, when you look at Russia's actual position on the ground. They are facing uh, serious difficulties in this war in Ukraine one year in. So it is not very clear that Putin's stock will actually impress anybody in Russia, certainly not those people who are watching the Russian position in Ukraine. Putin also announced that Russia will withdraw from a nuclear arms treaty with the United States. How concerning is that? How far would Putin go to win this war? I mean, should we read into that, that he's kind of hinting at nuclear? So he has been hinting at nuclear use in Ukraine for a long time, and there's just no way to read his mind here and what actually represents his red lines. Could it be Crimea? Maybe, maybe not. We don't know. Uh, but the withdrawal from the New START Treaty is a separate issue altogether. Now, the New START Treaty, which was extended recently, supposed to expire in February 2026, is the last major arms control, uh, uh, nuclear arms control treaty that exists between Russia and the United States. And and suspending Russia's participation, which is basically like quitting the treaty, means that that nuclear arms dialogue, which goes back to the Cold War, to the years of detente when first SALT-1 was uh, introduced. And then, of course, you know, at the end of the Cold War, we had a number of treaties, including the INF and START, etc. All of that is gone now, which uh, creates the sense that we could have a return to nuclear 
competition, a nuclear arms race. Um, and that's why Putin hinted at the restarting of nuclear tests, which is another new development. Um, is that a bad thing? Well, absolutely, it is a bad thing. Everybody is a loser here, including Russia itself. Um, so I think there he's just shooting himself in the foot, which has really fallen uh, uh, an established tradition by now. Uh, many of the things that he does seem to make no sense from the standpoint of Russian national interests. Yeah, since Putin rose to the presidency in 2000, his legitimacy has been based on his popularity and and stature among the elite. How much has that shifted, particularly in the last year? So uh, his, there was something like a social contract existing in Russia. People were having a decent life, certainly better than they had in the 1990s. And, uh, you know, the, the deal was that they would stay out of politics. Well, now Russian society is increasingly politicized because when your sons and daughters could be actually, uh, you know, could die or certainly sons could be drafted into this military operation sent to Ukraine, people have to stay on top of politics. So that's why the Russians are increasingly following with greater and greater interest what's going on Putin's head. I'll ask another question just, just to get us back into I, the conversation. What is I, driving Putin's desire then to hold on to power at, at any cost? Is it an obsession with his legacy? What's going on here and what's his own personal end game? What would success look like for him? Well, I think legacy and power are two separate things. He's holding on to power because he knows that there's no way to retire safely in the Russia that he created. If he were to retire, you know, his successor might just uh, 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 prosecute him and he may end up uh, in The Hague or worse. Uh, so that is something that Putin is definitely concerned about. And he wants to hold on to power until uh, he drops dead. It's you know this is this is the the end game here for him. And as for his legacy, well, yes, he is uh, 70 years old, and he is thinking that uh, history will remember him as the gatherer of the Russian lands. Uh, so that I think is is the underpinning uh, strategy here behind his war in Ukraine. And we're often uh, being warned now by experts that this war will drag on. For how long? How long does Putin is Putin able to hold that line and keep going um, and keep this dragging uh, on? Right. I think it's for how long he can afford to do that, how long Russia can actually maintain this war. And Russia has a lot of resilience, it has to be said, and Putin emphasized this today. He has given no indication that he wants to back off from any of his aims. However, the Ukrainians, of course, are receiving massive support from the West. And uh, what we're looking at now is a renewal of hostilities in Ukraine and probably another series of offensives and counteroffensives stretching into the summer. Now, if these two sides' positions have not really changed much by then, we will be looking at a, a frozen scenario, something like the Korean War. I think that is going to be much more likely, like the armistice in the Korean War in 1953. Uh, but this is not what Putin wants, and this is not what the Ukrainians want. The, uh, Putin wants to conquer much of Ukraine, and the Ukrainians want to liberate their territory. So they are working at cross-purpose is here. Sergey, thank you so much for your time this morning. No problem. Sorry about the connection. No, that's okay. I really appreciate your time. Sergey Radchenko is a Russian historian and a distinguished professor at the Kissinger Center for Global Affairs at Johns Hopkins University. 
Listen to more great stories that take you beyond the headlines. Ask your smart speaker to play ABC RN. Me again, podcasters. I hope you're enjoying our coverage of international affairs on RN Brecky. And if you're looking for more stories that put world events into context, then look for Between the Lines on the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts.